You're listening to Beyond Numbers, a podcast by Zero for accountants and bookkeepers. In this series, you'll hear from leaders within some of the accounting industry's pace-setting firms who will share news, views, and creative solutions so you can step away with some inspiration or new ideas to take back to your own business. Andrew Vanderbeek is founder of Australian accounting firm Illuminate and has been pushing the boundaries of the industry since 2012, when he, at the age of just 26, founded what is now a multi-award-winning firm. Illuminate has been 100% zero, 100% digital since day one, and they've never looked back. I love sitting down to chat with Andrew. He's full of life, laughs, and lessons, and brings a real no-nonsense approach to accountancy and leadership. He's also just a super nice guy, great fun to be around, and didn't seem to mind too much when I called out all the things about him that make him look absolutely nothing like a stereotypical accountant. I've met Andrew a couple of times when he's been in London for AccountX and the Digital Accountancy Show, so when he told me he was going to be in London again this year, I jumped at the chance to have him join us here on Beyond Numbers. And what a treat it was. Here he is to talk about accounting stereotypes, the difference between the industry here in the UK versus Australia, how he's juggling family and work, neurodiversity and more. It's the one and only Andrew Vanderbeek. Andrew, welcome to Beyond Numbers, all the way from Australia, just for this podcast, right? Just for this podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. Um, what a trip. Yeah, I can't believe I sat in a plane for 24 hours just to talk to you. I know. It's, well, it's really great. <laughs> um, I'll have to apologise to our predominantly UK-based audience today because my Kiwi accent is probably going to get way more Kiwi talking to Andrew today. Yep. Um, we're at peak Antipodean levels in the studio. Um, we actually might need our producer to dial it down a bit as we go, but we'll see. <laughs> um, anyway, Andrew, tell us, who are you and what brings you to London? Oh, geez. Um, I'll, I'll give the accounting spiel rather than the, the personal spiel. So uh, yes, my name's Andrew. Uh, I run an accounting firm in Australia called Illuminate. Um, we've been a cloud-based accounting firm for a good 10 plus years. Uh, team of just over 20, um, based just south of Melbourne, a place called the Mornington Peninsula. We kind of deliver the same services as everyone else, you know, accounting, bookkeeping, technology advice, business advice. Um, but I guess the the way we go about that is uber personal, uber authentic, and and really trying to just embrace um, who we are as as humans, and then allow that to really come through in terms of our work. So uh, I've got that in an accounting firm. Um, outside of that, I, I'm I'm a husband. I've got three kids. I had two kids when I was here a year ago. I now have a third kid, which is really exciting. Um, and then a few other little things I dabble in. We've uh, built a co-working space with an event space and a whiskey bar. Uh, I've got a little uh, kind of toothbrush business, social enterprise business on the side. And I'm in the early stages of taking over my parents' plumbing retail store as well. So um, just a little bit on, just a little bit on. Amazing. And we'll, we'll talk through more about some of that as we go through. Yeah. Um. For those listening to the podcast, if you've not heard about or seen Andrew Vanderbeek before, you might need to close your eyes for a second and just imagine. <laughs> I'm going to sound like my mum here, but he's he's wearing um, black ripped jeans. Mm -hmm. He's got a five-panel flat peaked hat on, mm -hmm. uh, black rimmed glasses. He's got a huge beard, mm -hmm. uh, pierced nose, mm -hmm. tattoos. Mm -hmm. um, Do you like that tattoo? What does that say? Debits De and credits. Debits and credits. Debits and credits on one on both hands. Yep. Um. So, 
that's that's Andrew. Um, if I was going to perhaps be a little bit offensive and put you in a box by looking at you and making a guess on your profession, yep. I'd say you're a barber in a really cool hipster salon. Okay. Uh, you could be a tattoo artist. Yep. Or a guitarist, maybe a bassist in a rock band preparing for Glasto. I was a drummer in a band for a number of years, oh. so I just never had, never quite had the ability to do the stringed bass instruments as, as much as I'd like to. Okay, yeah. Too much aggression to get just out. Just like banging on things. Just beating the crap out of stuff is good. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, you're an accountant. Yes. Um, and you're bucking the stereotype of an accountant here, um, but you obviously know this, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot. You're an incredibly authentic human and that must really attract people to you from a business perspective. Is there like a particular type of business that you find yourself really gelling with? In other words, like, do you have a niche? Yeah. Well, thank you for thank you for saying that. Like, that's that's something that um, I know myself and my business are incredibly proud of is is being authentic, true to yourself, but being respectful at the same time within that. Um, and we know that through authenticity and living out, living out our lives the way that we live in, that we will attract certain type of people or certain type of businesses, but will also, also kind of repel others. Um, and, and that kind of works really well in our favor because it means we get to work with people we want to. So more often than not, you'll find us working with creative people. Now, creative people doesn't necessarily mean a certain industry, although we do have a few that we work with. But these people are more entrepreneurial-minded. Uh, more impact-minded, more purposeful-minded kind of things. And then often you might find them in industries like creative services, you know, digital marketing, website design. Um, you might find them in e-commerce um, kind of spaces. Uh, you might find them in hospitality or alcohol production. Um, and we kind of go through there as well. Uh, the big thing for us is all about relationships. So with that authenticity, you attract people in. And then through the relationships that we have with our clients, that's where the trust really comes in and, and people have a hopefully incredible time with us. Yeah, nice. And there are business owners of all kinds, obviously, that want an, un, uh, an advisor that really understands them. Yep. And so I think you're really proving to the point, proving the point here for traditional firms that the stereotype is not always what the business owners are after. No, it's not. And it's it's funny how, and look, I, I definitely feel that there's been a quite a seismic shift in this over the last, you know, five to six years or so where... Um, people are a lot more comfortable that, oh no, hold on, I'm not an accountant called Andrew, I'm Andrew who happens to be good at accounting. And I think people are more and more embracing the element of who am I, and thus I happen to be good at something, and, and allowing that to be the first thing that creates their their personal stereotype, as opposed to going, well, if I'm in the industry, I guess I want to wear a suit and tie, play golf and drink red wine. Um, and I play golf and drink red wine too, but um, I don't look like I do. Yeah. Um, this is not an episode about what an accountant should or shouldn't look like, by the way. <laughs> um, but we talk about the future of the accounting industry a lot at Zero. Yeah. Um, we're really passionate about helping young people understand that you don't need to fit the stereotype to be yep. an accountant. Um, some of your UK accountancy pals, actually, Andrew, have talked about this in previous episodes. Mm -hmm. Accountants and bookkeepers can get a pretty bad rap, but it's such an incredibly noble and exciting and genuinely cool profession. Yes. And when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it. What's your take on the accounting profession today more broadly, though? Oh, that's a really good question because I spent some time in Australia recently with Chartered Accountants Australia New Zealand, CAANZ, um, and we were doing some work to try to communicate with um, school leavers that are coming up soon around a career in accountancy and that it's not what you think it is. Um, now, some of the conversation was, oh, we really want to make sure that people see that accounting's cool, so we'll get Andrew on. And I had to stop them really quickly. And I said, look, accounting is not cool. 
I know you just said it. I know I went, uh, but it's not cool. It's not a cool thing. Um, it's not in, in the in the generic eyes of the world, right? It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. It's not all those kind of things. Now, it can be if you choose to go about the way you do accounting in a way that's sexy and glamorous and cool, but it doesn't have to be. So let's not try and pretend and pull the wall over the eyes of these school leavers that, oh, become an accountant. It's the coolest thing ever. But what we can do is we can help to debunk some of the myths that exist out there that accounting is boring. So we're saying, well, it's not on the other end of the spectrum. It's not a crappy dead-end career profession where you're not going to enjoy anything and you're just going to hate yourself. Actually, it can be quite fulfilling. It can be quite impactful. And the stuff that accountants get involved in and the career paths that they follow through as a result of their time as an accountant is quite exceptional and quite varied and quite broad. So there's so much more to the world of accountancy than not. And I think what I see nowadays is we're starting to see more and more people do that. You know, we've got, you know, sustainability style accounting stuff out there now where people are really paying a lot of attention to um, practices of businesses and and what that means in terms of sustainability impact. We've got B Corp stuff out there. We've got, um, you know, accountants who are really getting involved in content production and really trying to educate the community as well. So. And, and what that is, is it's tapping into skill sets that are not accounting. You think about content production, that's tapping into someone's ability to communicate, to sit in front of a camera, to think about uh, how do I, you know, tell a story in a way that connects to this person at the end of it. It's not a skill set that traditionally an accountant would have. Mm-hmm. So we're really starting to see other elements um, and, and other things that people are capable of come to the forefront now when technology maybe has taken away some of the elements of what an accountant historically might have been. Yeah. Awesome. Um, You've made a few trips to the UK over the past few years and you've Mm. got a solid network of UK-based accountants. Having spent that time together, do you think there's much different about uh, accountancy in Aussie versus here in the UK? Like, is there anything UK accountants and bookkeepers can learn specifically from Australian accountants? Look, I, I remember when I first came over here in 2019... And I remember talking to the people that were organizing me to come over and they're like, oh, we just, you know, so excited to have someone like you at the forefront of accounting in Australia. And you can come and show us in the UK what it's like is Australia is so far ahead and you guys are so much better. And I was I was kind of like I was getting prepared by this person to rock up and to find that like the UK is a shit show. And I, and I rocked up and I was like, it's just like Australia. You just slightly different is all so what i think the differences between australia and the uk that that i've experienced and through what i've seen is in australia uh, we are a relatively lazy group of people and i'm putting myself in that so so if we can find a way to do something faster and easier you're darn tootin' right we're going to do it so adopting cloud technology and utilizing those things has been maybe a bit easier for us as well as our clients are forcing us to because they're also lazy and want to make, make do things really easy Whereas in the UK, what I think I've seen is there's a lot more um, hard rock. No, this is what we've always done and we don't want to change. And the change has been forced through government and legislation. Um, And I believe making tax digital was a thing when I was here in 2019. I believe it's still a thing now and it's not yet resolved as well, which I find hilarious. Um, But where is that change coming from? And so if you see the changes coming from the business owners and the accountants themselves, you'll find fast innovation and you'll find people that are really pushing the boundaries. But if it's coming from government, you'll find a slower pickup, slow innovation. But what you do find and what I have seen is there's a good handful of examples of people that are doing far more than you can imagine because there's no expectation set on them. Oh, the, the government just says, I have to do this. Well, what if I want to do all of these things here? Away I go. So 
I, I think to what you can learn from in Australia is really it's about it embracing what it could look like, looking to the future of what your firm could be and how you could operate. And then coming back to today and saying, well, what what has to change? What can I do to get there? And I think we see in Australia a lot more, uh, a lot more people are embracing that kind of approach. Yeah. Very very experiential. I think Australians are like we are very big on what is the experience going to look like and how do we do that and how do we have that in a, in a really amazing way. I think our kind of cafe coffee culture is a really good example when you overlay, uh, overlay that over an accounting experience. Yeah, we're not cool hip cafes like you might find in the back streets of Melbourne, but we still have a desire to be reflecting that kind of approach in our own practices. Yeah, nice. As a founder of Illuminate, what was your vision for the firm and how did you bring that to life? Uh, the day I founded it, it was like, I'm going to make more money, um, which <laughs> which sounds really bad. I, I had no plans day one when I started, you know, 12 years ago. I I had uh, someone who went, hey, let's do something together. And I said, let's do something together. And I realized I could charge a lot more than I was getting paid as an employee. So I thought that'd be great. And we kind of bumbled our way for three or four years until I eventually bought out that business partner. And then it was only at that point where I started going, hold on, what is this business actually here to do? And realizing that that's a responsibility that I had to pick up and say, I have to define what we're here to achieve and what we want to do. Because I know early on, like the, the, the push away from being employed was, I can make more money, great, but also I want to be more relational. I'm sick of this transaction side. I'm sick of putting a number in a box and just keeping someone out of jail. Surely there's more to that. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until I was back on my own as a business owner to go, hold on, I need to pick that idea back up again. We want to be more relational. What does that look like? How do we be more engaging? How do we have such a great experience? Because at the end of the day, and I don't mean to belittle what it is that we do as an industry, but most of what we could do can be done by anybody. Whether they're onshore, whether they're offshore, whether they're young, whether they're old, most of what we can do, not all of it, but most of. But what um, differentiates us is the way we actually go about that. And so I was really big on the experience. And it's it's all about relationships. It's all about the people behind the business. It's all about their themselves, their families, their communities, their friends, and what we can do to create impact with them so that they then impact out further. Did you intentionally go about differentiating yourself as a firm or was that something that just sort just of natural. happened? Yeah. It literally was just natural. So I was like, oh, we're going we're gonna to do this and uh, cool. Um, that looks cool. I like the idea of this. And, like I worked with some creatives but it was very much them extracting from me what we wanted to look like, sound like, feel like, and be. And my biggest thing is I want us to look like, sound like, feel like, and be who we actually are, mm-hmm. not who people are expecting us to be. And it was even at that time we'd have, you know, we had a very generic kind of brand and a generic website and whatnot. And, and people would walk up our stairs into our office for the first time and go, oh, whoa, I wasn't expecting this. There's like beards and tattoos and ripped jeans and there's some like loud music playing and like this isn't kind of what I was expecting to experience. So we wanted to make sure that our digital brand actually represented our factual brand. Um, Most of the time in marketing, it's the other way around. Most of the time it's like, oh, this brand looks amazing and fantastic and so engaging and awesome. And you walk up the stairs and it's a bunch of boring deadbeat people up there not giving a crap about what you're doing and you're not getting the service you want. So we had to flip it the other way around and say, well, we have to go, we ha- really have to push the boundaries on what it looks like to have a brand in the accounting space. Yep. And I guess that's where Illuminate's kind of landed now. And we've just kind of iterated on that over the years. Uh, the bigger that we get as a firm, the more people we have, the more we recognize that our brand and identity changes and morphs because we're a reflection of the people internally so there's no real strategy behind how do we look cool 
Um, it's more just a matter of how do we be authentic and how do we be who we are yeah. and then allowing creative people who are capable of doing things that I can't to extract that and, and reveal it back to me. And I go, awesome. I love that. Let's do that. And you've been a Zero Partner for a number of years now yep. and a member of our XPAC in Australia, which mm-hmm. is a Zero Partner Advisory Council for those who aren't aware. Um, how has your involvement in the Zero community impacted your career? Oh, huge. So um, I've got many a friend that either do or have worked within um, the walls of Zero in Australia and around the world. And I'm, I'm immensely grateful for... Uh, what they exposed me to, I think, in the early days of my experience with Zero, um, people like Joel Hanna, who's one of my best mates and and was Zero's first ever employee in Australia, and he got us an opportunity to kind of share some stuff via video with Zero in the early days, and then things kind of just started snowballing from there, and then we just more and more opportunities kind of came up as a result of that. Now, you know, we we did our darnest to take advantage of them and deliver value back, and I think that's been um, uh, you know rewarding for all parties involved, but. I, I can't begin to express how important using just even just using the software of zero, let alone actually engaging and bracing and working within the zero community space has been on the success of my business. We would not be here now if it wasn't for that. It's a good handful of people that would say similar things, which is really nice to hear. And I think, yeah, our, the community is so powerful. And I think that's what kind of keeps people Indeed. coming back for more, right? Indeed, yeah. What do you do to maintain and, and hold on to these long-term relationships that you have in the accounting industry? Oh, as in like, uh, you know, relationships with people at zero, relationships with other accountants, that yeah. kind of stuff? Yeah, And globally too. Oh, don't be a dick, <laughs> <laughs> which I'll probably fail at a bit. Um, I think for me, the big, the biggest thing that I, I, I'm focusing on personally is I don't want to just become... I just want to want to be another person that's just yelling and screaming from like a you know a, a milk crate on the side of a side work to tell people oh you should be bloody using you know cloud accounting you stupid idiots. So I think I think you really need to be respectful and understanding of where people are at in 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 the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, I, I might be a lot further ahead, but that doesn't mean I'm any better than them. Uh, and to be honest, if you look internally at my business compared to internally at someone else's business, you might say the other person's business is actually in better shape um, for various different reasons. So I think first and foremost it is really about respect um, just because someone's not doing it the way that you would do it doesn't mean they're doing it wrong now there could be some improvement but it doesn't mean it's wrong so I think that's one I think the other one is just like just be engaging and be connecting and being available so um, I've been lucky enough to meet and talk with a stack of people from around the world in the accounting space and it's just been so enjoyable to learn about who they are and what they're about and to be able to share about myself as well in a way where there's no expectation. So it's not like, oh, I'll do this and then you will give me millions of dollars or no, no, I'm not going to share my secrets because they're my secrets. Um, you know, community over competition, collaboration over comp- like those kind of phrases I think are really powerful. Yep. And I think that's what enables people to have these long standing industry based relationships. And whether that's with peers of yours or whether that's with, you know, um, app and uh, providers or even just kind of service providers there as well. And I, I know a great example I can have is uh, literally yesterday I had an inquiry to our accounting business website of someone saying, hey, I used to work at one of your competitors across the road. I'm stepping out to start my own business. Could I work with you to develop a business plan to help me make sure this is going to be successful? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. Like someone who theoretically would be considered to be a direct competitor of ours is saying, I'd like to have a conversation because I see that you're you're someone that I could talk to about this as opposed to maybe someone who would just be really closed off or quite competitive. So I think that's really important as well. Just 
be open, be transparent, be respectful, um, but be engaged and be engaging and being giving with what you've got. Awesome. I love that. Are there any trends that you see coming up in the cloud accounting kind of world? Like, How do you think accountants can stay ahead of the curve? I'm not going to talk about chat GPT because yeah. I'm so sick and Good. tired of it. And I know that there's conferences <laughs> and I feel like 80% of what people want to talk about is that. Um, so I won't go there. Um, I, I think what I'm seeing lately is a, a big return to the human side of, of it. I think the technology uh, a number of years ago was moving at a pace that was exciting, exceptional, uh, life-changing. And then it kind of hit this rut and not much has happened since then other, other than like things becoming more complicated or difficult or people getting frustrated with, you know, large tech plays, maybe not releasing stuff that they were hoping to because they're doing back-end kind of development stuff. And I think what that's done is it's really forced people to look at the human side of what they deliver and ensure that they're not just trying to utilize tech to replace that, but they're using tech to enhance and enable that. Um, and that's what I'm going to be talking about um, at the Digital Accountancy Show tomorrow is a, a lot of these kind of like, you know, how do we blend this human element and how do we understand what's going on? So I'm seeing a lot of that. And then what I'm seeing there from a technology standpoint is some interesting tech players that are really paying attention to what our pain points are before they go and develop stuff. Um, if you're listening out there and you run an accounting firm, you've probably come across a million different apps before and gone, what the hell is the point of this thing? This isn't even solving a problem I have. I've got these a million things over here that I'm trying to work on. Build me something that actually helps there. And I think, uh, I, I think from what I'm seeing, and I hope it's a trend that we'll see more of, these apps finally realizing that they need to solve a problem that we actually have yep. instead of convincing us there's a problem that might not actually exist. And so I'm starting to see more people that are take, taking a, a longer route to developing software in the hope that when they develop it, it actually is what we want and thus they're sustainable and we get a tool that we need. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, the number one rule of product development that people forget about, right, is actually build yep. something that your market needs and wants. Well, what, half the time what they're building is what they want. Yep. So it could have been an accountant. Oh, I had this problem in my firm, so I went and built it, and now I'm going to go sell it to everybody. But they didn't actually figure out if this was a collective problem or an internal problem. And there's nothing wrong with building a solution for yourself internally, but it is if you're going to try and sell it to everybody who doesn't have the same problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you talk about, um, you know, the future being human. I feel like we go through, like, every three or four years, we go through this new thing of, of like, oh, there's some new tech. Yep. And then we talk about tech and then six months later we go, no, no, the future's still human and it like it just yep. keeps coming back to that. Yep. I think we talked about that at a road show in twenty nineteen. Oh, it, it, um, it keeps coming around. You know, like around. it just it's it's really consistent, which is a nice thing and I guess a good thing for humanity in that we keep saying actually, yeah, tech but, is going to enable but I wonder us. Why but we end of the day, it. we so need why, to. Why do we forget it though? So why does it yeah. have to be reminded every three or four years? Yeah. That, hey, hold on, we have to be human. Mm. You know, is it that? you know tech is interrupting us and we're we're starting to just you know like i said aussies are lazy and we go oh just just bloody get the technology do it i can't be stuffed yeah. um you know what are we afraid are we afraid of like oh i don't want to have to do these things i'm not i'm not comfortable i'm not skilled i'm not capable i'm not confident mm. so i i'm afraid of having to be and utilize the human element in my craft yeah. i'd much rather use technology to do so so i'm just not sure what what makes us forget the human element is so powerful. Yeah. I'm not sure that we forget, but more like a big big business like Apple or Google come out with a new thing and it yes. terrifies us for a minute and then we think, oh my God, are we are we even going to be needed? And like, will we still exist? And then it's almost like our defense mechanism to say, no, yep. humans are still number one because 
you know, we are humans, so of course we're going to say that. I just go and ask someone in your profession that's, you know, 50 years older than you and say, what were your greatest challenges when you were my age running yeah. a firm? And they'll probably say the same things that you're challenged with right now. Mm -hmm. It'll be people. It'll yeah. be, you know, introduction of technology. It'll be advisory. Yeah. Like I remember when I was here in the UK in 2019, I was chatting to some guy and I think he was saying in like the 80s and 90s, there was this advisory revolution back then. I'm like, man, that's when I was born. So like this stuff ain't new. Yeah. It's just our version of yeah. and and our reality comes with slightly different technology attached to it and slightly different personalities that are trying to promote and encourage it. Um, and I wonder, because like you see everything from technology to things like, you know, working the four day work week and all these kind of things. And you go, well, these are not new concepts. These have been around for ages. Mm -hmm. So they keep coming up because someone picks up and thinks it's great. And then we try and adopt and we try and uh, uh, do that. And then we fall back into our ways of maybe that was too hard or, or maybe I don't want to talk about it anymore and just focus on what I'm doing. And then a few years later, it pops back up again. Hopefully, hopefully the humans will remain. I reckon they will. <laughs> I reckon they will. Yeah. If there's one thing that I know about you, it's that you love accountancy and actually one more thing, you're hugely passionate about the success of small businesses. Yes. You're just one of those people, one of those souls, I think, that like you've just got this vibe about you and it's really clear how much you care about others and making a difference. So talk to me a bit about that. What drives you? What's your purpose? So for me, I mean, my purpose is predominantly my family and the environment around that family. So I run a small business. I run a handful of small businesses. And I recognize that I can't be the husband, the father, the friend, the sibling or whatever it is that I need to be if I've got a really poorly run small business because I will be so um, enveloped in that space trying to solve things, so stressed, so financially restricted that I won't be able to be that person. So I think a lot of my passion really comes out of like my desire for in my own personal life and recognizing, well, the enabler for a lot of us is small business. Um, and I know Zero had the the um, report they released recently around the, the well-being of small business owners and how universally small business owners are in a much lower life satisfaction than the general population. I think from a passion perspective for me is like, well, what impact can we actually make? Because we talk about numbers all the time, but the numbers have a story to tell. And they actually, the story comes from part of what the clients are going to tell us about what's going on in their world and then part of what we can understand. And if we can put that together, we can help them to build fantastically beautiful businesses that actually mean they get to spend more time with their, their you know, their, their kids, more time with their partner, more time with their friends and family. They can donate them more money. They can achieve more things. Um, but if all we look at it is a number that goes in a box and a transaction, we're missing the point of the actual impact we can do. So I think that's a big thing for me is like I look at it, I've got, like I said, I've got three kids now. So I've got a nine and a six-year-old girls and, a, and I've got a newborn son. And I just look at them and I go, well, when they're like 10, 15, 20, 30 years older than where they are now, what is their life going to look like? And how can I ensure that um, as a father raising them, I'm as available as I possibly can be? And if I run a really shit small business, I'm not going to be able to because I'm going to be constantly there. And, and I think that's that's been a big like wake-up reality to me probably over the last year or so in particular with the birth of my third child. So, yeah. Yeah, nice. And speaking of that, you're in the middle of taking time off work. Yeah. Um, bit of paternity leave with little guy Jericho. Is he Jericho is his name. Three yep. or four months old now. How's it all going? 
He's he's he, well. Look, actually, at the moment, right now, he's really unwell at home. So oh, I was, I I, I was um, video calling my wife um, this morning, and he's in there, and he's got boogers, and he's all kind of congested up. So you can hear I've actually got a little bit left over from being unwell. So our family had a bit of a bout of sickness, but aside from that, um, he's fantastic. It's just, um, it's such a privilege to be able to. So I'm taking four months off, and I'm I'm in the last month of it right now. Um, so why not go on the other side of the world away from your family? But I'm taking that time to really understand what it's like to to raise a child. You know, my wife has been there full time with my previous two kids whilst I've been working. Um, I really wanted to make sure that I was supporting, I was available and I was there to help. And it's been incredibly rewarding. Nowhere near as easy as I thought it would be. I, I, I will profess, I, th- I thought I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll like take the kids to school, chuck the, you know, the washing on and then I'll kick back and watch some footy all day long. Because um, isn't that what my wife does when she's at home? No, actually, there's a lot more that they that that, that um, you know the home carer actually does around the place. So, I've um, I've really enjoyed appreciating, learning, and understanding that element of it all, and then being able to contribute. Um, but yeah, at the end of this month, I'll be going back to the the big bad world of work, yep. um, and hopefully taking some things that I've learnt in the last few months around what is important and where my time needs to be focused on, yep. so that as I'm progressing forward, I'm making really smart decisions. Um, as a founder and business owner, and as a man, let's be honest, being able to take this time off and perhaps even actually wanting to take the time off is really unique, mm. um, although maybe it shouldn't be that way. No. But has it changed the way you think about your people at Illuminate and and what you support them with, with when it comes to work-life balance and things? So I think the interesting thing is that going back six or seven years, my intention with Illuminate was always to make myself redundant and was always a recognition of this isn't my business. I'm just a caretaker for now. Eventually someone will come and they will have to take the business to where it needs to go because I won't have the skill set. So my job is really to have broad shoulders and open arms. So how can I support and how can I hold you up? Um, and so I've always had that intention. Now, have I lived that out and have I actually ensured that my people have felt that at all times? No, absolutely not. Like there's been times that I'm good at it. There's other times that I'm not. But that was strong intentions from years ago that actually meant at this point taking this four months off um, whilst ex- everything you just said is 100% accurate. You know, as a business owner, as as a male, um, those kind of things, taking time off to be with your family is, is often a rare thing to do. I feel incredibly privileged to be able to do something like that. I recognize a lot of people feel trapped in like they can't. My encouragement is you absolutely can. It just you have to take some time to plan it. You have to have a level of sacrifice and what that looks like. And you have to trust the people around you. And so I guess coming back to the people stuff, I always believed that they had the capabilities to do that. I wouldn't have put them in those leadership positions in our business a couple of years ago, um, not even knowing that I was going to take this time off if I didn't believe they were capable of. Uh, has it been challenging for them for the last four months? pretty sure it has been. I'm pretty sure there's been some moments where they've hated it and there's been some moments where they've really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm looking forward to coming back next month and really unpacking with them what worked, what didn't work, what do you want to hold on to and what do you want to let go of? Because I know that I don't want to be returning back to the role that I used to have. I know that I'm only going to be there a couple of days a week going forward. So I can't be doing everything. So how can we empower you guys to step up and grow and be more of what that looks like? Mm-hmm. And like I said, if it didn't work, if they didn't enjoy it and they don't want to do it, that's okay. I'm super grateful that they gave it a good red hot crack and let's make sure we're looking after them as best as we can. 
so that going forward, they're in a great mindset and they're comfortable with what their role looks like in the business. Yeah, nice. What are some of the things you had to put in place as a founder of a firm kind of to allow yourself the space to do that? Like for people listening, wondering how they can do what you do, what advice might you give? Yeah, so so for me, a firm of 20 people size, the, the key thing was having a leadership team um, that actually had responsibility and an understanding of what they were actually there to achieve. So we have a head of accounting, a 2IC in accounting, a head of bookkeeping, a 2IC in bookkeeping, and then a head of kind of operations slash technology. Um, uh, those individuals themselves, um, it was imperative that they knew what they were there to achieve and they knew what a good outcome looked like. Whether they achieved it or not is kind of the second thing, but the most important thing is they knew what they were actually there to do. So that's really important. Um, I actually reckon I put that leadership team in place a couple of million dollars too early in terms of revenue, but then I also didn't know that I was going to take four months off. So it's like this like beautiful decision that you at one point you're going, I've made a bad decision, I've made a bad decision, and all of a sudden, actually, no, it looks like I've made a really good decision. So I think... Um, waiting too long is something you have to be really careful of. The longer you wait to, to take action on something, the longer your ability to benefit from said action will be. Mm-hmm. And whilst it might feel awkward or uncomfortable to do something like that, you really do need to step out. So I'd encourage that. I'd encourage that if you're you're looking in the space of being able to take time off, that you find people out there that you can have conversations with. So whether that's myself or others and say, hey, kind of chew your ear off about it. This is what I'm thinking. What do you reckon? How might I go about this? That's really important. And then if you get to the point where you actually are going through, be really good at handing things over. This isn't about delegation. This is about empowerment. Mm-hmm. So delegation would simply be, oh, hey, mate, here's the thing that I'm going to get you to do. See you later. Empowerment is, hey, here's this thing that I'd love you to do. Let's sit down. I'll work you through um, any questions. This is how I might go about it. This is what I think good. You know, it's really setting them up for success. And I feel that I did a decent enough job of that in like the six months before I took time off so that my team had the best possible chance to be successful uh, in those roles going forward. I mean, there's, there's a million more things I could I could talk about here about stuff you do in your home side of life, stuff you do personally, stuff you do in business, stuff you do with your clients. But I think those things are key is, you know, getting the right kind of people in place who will look after that, not being afraid to do something too early and ensuring that you're empowering people, not just delegating things. Yeah. And trust must play a really huge part in there as well. Yep. Finding people that you absolutely trust with your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Nice. You've talked a little bit recently about neurodiversity and a bit of self-discovery over the last couple of months. Do you want to talk a little about what you've learned about yourself? Yes, I can. You've listened to the podcast. I have. Um, so um, for those listening, I do do another podcast. I'm sure we'll shout it out later. But um, so something I've always kind of had in the back of my mind and something I've always been told about for as long as I can remember is, oh, have you got ADHD? So I've, I can remember countless people, friends, um, family, oh, have you, surely you've got ADHD, you're joking about, you know, shiny object obsession and all those kind of things. Um, and it was, uh, I was still working at Illuminate before I'd kind of, you know, f- finished for some time off. And uh, I, at the co-working space that we, we have, I was taking um, someone who runs a charity through the event space. They're going to run a charity function there. And I knew them kinder and we were going through, took them through everything, all done. We have a chat at the end. Really good conversation. And she goes, Andrew, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? And I'm like, sure, because, you know, I'm, I'm an own book. She's like, have you got ADHD? And I went, you know what? I don't know, 
but I'm actually about to start understanding whether I do or don't. Um, and that was really interesting because it was like pretty much a stranger who like was comfortable to kind of say that. And I was like, okay, that's, that's like the straw that broke the camel's back. Let's go and have a look into that. And so, yeah, so I've, I've effectively been on a bit of a journey to understand what that means to have something like ADHD, to be neurodiverse. It's been challenging in terms of like things that I hold myself uh, really high that I'm proud of, like my authenticity and the way I act and behave and then to learn that, oh, hold on a second, because of my neurodiversity, technically I'm not in control of the way I behave sometimes. And to some extent that's pure authenticity, but to other extent that means I'm not behaving the way that I actually want to. I might offend someone or I might... Um, I might be too hastily with what I'm talking about rather than pacing myself to think. So that's been really interesting. I think I remember talking to um, my GP uh, in the early days before I started talking to a psych and and he's like, oh, do you think your behavior is harmful to yourself? And I'm like, no, but I think it is to others. And he's like, what do you, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, the way I can process things and the way I can communicate, for me, it doesn't necessarily hurt me. But what it does is it doesn't give other people the opportunity sometimes to express things or think things through or have that kind of stuff. And the way I can respond and behave with my children um, at times when I can be not patient or have different expectations of how things should look like because, hey, they should look like that. Or not completing tasks that are really important because I get distracted by other things. That's actually where the impact comes and that's how it impacts other people. So I think for me... So far, it's been eye-opening. It's it's hard. I think it's really difficult when you're in the space because I think ADHDs. It's it's the new depression. It's the new anxiety. There's a whole bunch of shit on TikTok about hey, have you got ADHD? If you happen to do these three things, you've got it. Ha ha ha. Um, which can be helpful, but also can take you down a rabbit hole. And if you've got ADHD, you follow the rabbit hole as deep as you possibly can. Um, and I remember after my first session. It's like you buy a new car and every time you now just see that car everywhere. So it's like we had this session and then every single moment after that for the next two weeks, I was just picking up on everything that I was doing and really beating myself down. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing that. I, oh, that's something I need to get better at. Oh, I need to be better at this. And it was like, no, no, you don't necessarily need to be better at it. You're just understanding and knowing more about it. So I've balanced myself out now a bit more where it's like, cool, all right, this is fine. But now how do I make sure that people around me are aware of it? So in my work environment, um, how do I make sure that my leadership team is aware of the way that I might behave and respond? And that's not necessarily me trying to be manipulative or me trying to be controlling. It's just simply that I can't quite stop myself from behaving in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think the more they are understanding of that, the more they go, okay, cool, we can now help you if we if you find me on that spot. So I think from a leadership element, it'll be really, really valuable. I think from being a, a husband and a, and a father, it'll be really valuable. And then, yeah, I'll just continue to learn more about it and see how we go from there. Yeah, nice. Um, has, has your diagnosis kind of changed the way you think about well-being at work yet, like amongst your team? Um. Yes, in that I recognize, like I said, I recognize that sometimes knowledge of someone's behavior is almost more empowering to the people around them than it is to the person that's going through it. Um, and so if you think about your colleagues at work, um, now we don't want to, well, depending on your environment at work and how safe it is, um, sitting around holding hands and telling everybody what's fucked up in your life um, might not go all that well. Um 
but I think there's real strong valuable place for people to go in a workspace like how do we just be who we are so we got this we got the saying at illuminate is i don't want you to leave your baggage at your door you know don't don't come up smiling and happy like the world's you know you're, you're farting out roses and everything's great like be be you if if you're struggling with stuff that's okay it's okay to struggle with that what's not okay is if you take that baggage and you start swinging around your head and you beat people up, up with it because that's that's when you start hurting people you talk about authenticity authenticity without being vicious and without being like hurting other people with your authenticity you don't want to do that and i think the same thing with well-being as well so I guess our goal at, 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 a, at a business space is we want people to be comfortable with where they're at. We want them to know that they can communicate and talk to us about this kind of stuff and that we appreciate, understand, and have things in place to support them in there. But we also want them to take some responsibility of their own life as well. Yeah. Because I know, you know, from experience is sometimes you just want everybody else to solve your problems when you, you know, mentally you're struggling with stuff and you just want to, you know, waddle in your own kind of shit and, sometimes you've got to you've actually got to take responsibility for that too so it's i think it's really the more i know and the more i learn about it the more i kind of like try to change just little elements of how we might communicate that knowing also that like when you've got 20 people in your office there's some people who really appreciate embrace and encourage and love this stuff and there's other people that hate it hate talking about it find it really uncomfortable don't want to be anywhere near it and you have to take into account that too so I think it's an illuminate which we don't try to be black or white. How can we sit in the grey? Yeah. How can we be in that space? Yeah. It's kind of finding the balance between bringing your whole self to work, but also don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Number one rule at illuminate, don't be a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got any, I feel like don't be a dick is going to be the answer to this next question. Have you got any really key nuggets of advice that you'd leave our listeners with today? Oh... Other than don't be a dick. Other than don't be a dick. So, I mean, there's always a few sayings that I kind of like to live my life by a bit. Um, and one of the biggest ones that's kind of stuck with me for a long time is um, you're not defined by what you go through, but how you go through it. And I think that's something that's really important that's stuck with me through, you know, getting to the point, taking some time off um, through challenges with, you know, leadership groups or clients Um, through you know life stuff that kind of thing like what is the kind of person that i want to be how do i be authentic and real in that space and how do i ensure that when i'm going through stuff that that's not fun that's not enjoyable or stuff that is fun and enjoyable that i'm still my authentic self i am who i am in those moments um you know is it my you know mid-60s mom who's going to look back and be proud of how i'm behaving at that point in time or is she going to shake her head in dismay and be like andrew you you could have done better so I think I'd, I'd leave you with that point there. And I think the other one that I want to leave, which is just the hot topic for me, and it's what I'm talking about, um, Digital Accountancy Show tomorrow, is around you know the mental well-being of small business owners, but then saying, as accountants, what conversations are we having? Um, and that's so often we just stick to the numbers because it's what we've been trained or educated on. It's what our history has been around. But uh, I, I believe a modern... Um, you know, innovative, forward-thinking accountant is looking at more than just numbers, but he's looking at things that are impacting those numbers, and being comfortable to have conversations with pe- with clients around their well-being, with you know, asking them questions that allow them to unpack what's actually going on within their business. So the phrase I kind of throw there is, "Ask more questions than you answer." 
So how can we find ourselves in a position as advisors where we're asking these questions of our clients and they're almost in themselves answering these questions and realizing stuff that helps to paint the picture of where their business is at and what they're doing and that we can go, oh yeah, well that's why your numbers look like this. And now we can see what that looks like. So I'd leave that as the, the little final nugget of encouragement. And the last one is if you ever see me around, just give me a bloody high five or a hug. I'm all about it. Nice. Love that. Um, and I'll give a big shout out here to your podcast, All Aussie Accounting Adventures. It's such a great listen. So um, to our listeners today, uh, if you've enjoyed hearing from Andrew, head on over uh, to Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. Where all the good stuff is. And you can hear more on all sorts of great topics that you cover. Um I've really enjoyed listening to it at least and, and now cool. I get to have you on Beyond Numbers so that's awesome. So good mate, I'm I'm incredibly blessed to be here with you it's so so good to be in the country, so good to hang out with you, good times. Thank you and um, just to make it clear, Andrew didn't actually travel for this podcast, he travelled for the Digital Accountancy Show but I'm very <laughs> grateful for him to be here today. Um, this has been a really great conversation so much fun, um, so thank you before we sign off, we're going to dive into our little bit that we do. There's a bit? Yeah. Um, I thought we were done. I was like, ah, good. No. Oh, How no. How dare you? Um, we're going to do a series of would you rather questions. Oh, good. Okay. Would you rather be continually traveling as in like a different place every week or stay forever in one place for the rest of your life? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the second one, but mainly because of family. I don't think I could be in a different place every week with three young children. I, I did six weeks through the UK, um, through Europe about five years ago with a, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and it was tough. Yep. Yeah. And I also love where I live. Like, the region where I live in the Mornington Peninsula, is, it's beaches, it's wineries, it's just perfect. You yep. should all come on over. Oh, that sounds dreamy. Um, would you rather work in accountancy until you're 70 or retire now and never step foot into accountancy again? Retire now and never step foot into accountancy again. Why? Because it's what I'm moving through over the next few years. Um, I, I, I believe that accountancy gives you such great knowledge and skill set for so much more that you could do in this world. Um, and whilst I love what it is that I do, and I would gladly continue to be an accountant for the rest of my life. Um, I also look at and go, well, what else could I do with that? And how much more fun could I have as a result? Yep. And how much more impact could I make as a result? Taking over my father's business is, yeah. is one really good example. Is like I can use all this knowledge that I have and I can help to free my dad up so he can retire. And I'd much rather be doing those kind of things than, um, you know, not sitting behind a desk doing accounting, but being in the accounting space. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Love it. Would you rather have everyone you know read your thoughts or everyone you know read your internet history? I have nothing to hide from either side, so I wouldn't I wouldn't have an issue with either, but I think given the way I communicate, my thoughts are out there pretty transparently everywhere, anyway, so I'd say to go the thoughts one. Easy. Easy. Open book. Open bloody book, mate. Anytime. Love it. All right, that's all for you today then. You are dismissed. Thank you very much, Andrew. Have a great time in London. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Cool beans. I'm Ash Gibson and this is Beyond Numbers Season 2. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do hit the follow button and whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts or somewhere else, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating and a review. 